Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the plague. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Sixteen. Sixteen times. That's how many times I puked my guts out last Saturday night. No voice, just ripped the vocal cords. Is the voice back? Of course it's not. Listen to me. I sound very, very wrong. But we can't go an entire week without having shows. We've got far too much to talk about. We're high atop a jam-packed and still recovering downtown Nashville, Tennessee. It is late kick, and we've got scandal all over the place. Michigan, is, are they in trouble? I don't know. We're going to talk about it, though. I've also got, because we weren't here Tuesday, full week 10 predictions on the show. We've got several best bets to add onto the show. I've got upset alerts to talk about, as we do on Thursday night. Hey, it's good to be back. Maybe not all the way back, but it's good to be back. Appreciate uh, the like trillions of you who checked in on me. Big week ahead. Big week ahead. We're headed to Tuscaloosa. The Once Upon a Saturday Tour is headed just down I-65 to LSU, Alabama. We'll be on the sidelines in Bryant-Denny Stadium Saturday night, which reminds me, they're watching us in Alabaster, Alabama, Tulsa, Oklahoma, Lawrence, Kansas, and St. Paul, Minnesota. Friday Night Lines is a go for tomorrow night, somewhere in some hotel in Tuscaloosa. Who knows? Maybe I'll walk outside and do it. But brought to you by FanDuel, proudly brought to you by FanDuel. The Friday Night Lines, um, I, I think we'll add several more. I know we'll at least add some more action onto the Ramen Noodle Express tomorrow night. So you got to be following on Instagram, at Late Kick Josh. you got to be following there. I'll give you a heads up. We'll go live tomorrow night sometimes. So here we go. Um, I haven't said a word about this all week because I haven't said a word all week. Like literally, this is the first time I've talked all week. Let's get into it though. This stuff with Michigan's wild. Just kind of watched it unfold in silence all throughout the week. Last time you and I spoke was, what, last Thursday? I guess it's been a week now. But Pate State Investigates has been on this, and I think probably one of the worst things for Michigan has been I lost my voice, which gave me a ton of free time on my hands. And when I have free time on my hands, I just start digging. And lo and behold, you know, we got news breaking all over the place. And this time last week, sure enough, we knew who Connor Stallions was. We knew that he had been involved in some sign stealing. But, man, we were talking about him buying tickets to folks for games. We were tracking his Venmo receipts. We weren't looking at the Central Michigan sideline. And I know most of you don't need a refresher on this, but I'll pretend like there's someone out there who only watches this show and it's your only connection to college football. Uh, this dude was on the sideline for Central Michigan 
scouting future Michigan opponents. And um, I'm not using the word allegedly because I fully believe that's him. Now, Pate State Investigates, which is a brand new investigative unit that was launched about the time I lost my voice last week, trademark pending, had acquired some video. And I posted it right there on my Twitter account for the world to see if you're listening on podcast. That, we believe, is Connor Stallions on the sideline there. This is week one. Week one game kicked off at 7 p.m. This is nearing halftime, and my man's still over there wearing shades, which is your first indication something's wrong. But then if you look closer, there was a blue dot in the top, what, left-hand corner of those glasses. It's probably recording video down there, too. And so not only are you going to the stands to do it, you're just finding your way on the sideline. And um, a lot of people have had a lot of thoughts about that. And come to find out, there was a call. There was a call last night. Pete Thamel reported late, late, late last night. And Bruce Feldman and some others have backed it up today with reporting that the Big Ten coaches finally had enough and, and got on their respective communicative devices, and they wanted to talk to their leader. They wanted to talk to their commissioner. They wanted to talk to Tony Petiti, and they did. And there was an entire, alleged, according to Pete Thamel, an entire meeting, and then Harbaugh had to hop off because they wanted to talk about Jim Harbaugh. And where else would you talk about someone aside from behind their back? Big believer in that myself. That's how I handle business with Jesse all the time. And so uh, Pete Thamel, put up the quote, by the way, if you have it, Jesse and Colin. So in the Pete Thamel story, there was a whole lot. It's on ESPN.com. But this stood out to me in particular, quote, according to five sources familiar with the call, notice he didn't say according to five coaches on the call, that's left to interpretation, he said according to five sources familiar with the call, a chorus of voices encouraged Petiti to take action against Michigan in a call that was described as both intense and emotional. I bet it was. He continues, Collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now, said a source familiar with the call. Quote, what are we waiting on? We know what happened. So that was the call last night. What do you think is going to happen? That's the big question today. I think Bruce Feldman did a really good job with The Athletic today of sort of uh, further um, gathering and aggregating different opinions from around the Big Ten. Coaches, I told you guys two weeks ago, coaches have been willing to talk about this behind the scenes. I've had them talk, talking to me for the better part of two weeks about this. They're not going to go on the record. I wouldn't either if I were them in the middle of a season. I think come season's end, you'll probably see a lot more guys willing to put their name behind some of their quotes, or as we call it, going full Narduzzi on you. But right now, they're not going to do that. Um, I told you, I also thought the college football playoff held a really important key in this whole equation. We knew the NCAA wasn't going to do anything in time, and they're not going to do anything in time. I think everyone understood that. So that investigation is ongoing. I told you last week, I said, if I were Michigan, I'd be a lot more worried about the Big Ten and the college football playoff because I wondered what the college football playoff would look at this and think. Well, the college football playoff looked and said, not our problem. Big Ten coaches heard that, and I think that precipitated the phone call last night because they know their last recourse to pop Michigan this year before they benefit and have what many perceive to be ill-gotten gains this year is their own conference. They're doing exactly what I would do. I don't blame any of them. I don't think most of you do either. You have wrongdoing, and you know there's only one entity you can go to, and it happens to be the principal. You go to the principal's office. Uh, but I will tell you this. I've talked to a lot of people today about this. 
I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to get what they want. I certainly don't think action's going to be taken. You got to understand, as much as I agree with you guys, as much as I would have done what you did, think about what you're asking now. You're going to essentially the owner of the biggest charter fishing company on the biggest lake in town, and you're telling them something's wrong with the water. We want you to drain this lake. You may be right. He may believe you. He may listen to you. And he may even take some measures to go find what's wrong with the water. But brother, he ain't draining the lake. He's not draining the lake because that hurts his business. Business, by the way, is what this always will be about because you took a guy out of the television world, like so many are doing these days, and you inserted him as your conference commissioner. And a guy from the TV world is worried about a TV product. And if you harm Michigan, you are harming a TV product. This may not seem right to you. It may not seem just or ethically sound, but I think it just is. Big Ten coaches are right. Uh, Big Ten coaches are right to be outraged by it. I, I, I told you, um, I think last Sunday, it's been so long since we talked, I told you I had a bunch of them hitting me up behind the scenes to where when people were saying publicly, notice how coaches aren't making a big deal about this, I knew to call BS on it. Coaches were making a big deal about it. They are making a big deal about it. Everyone doesn't do this to this degree, at least. Uh, it's not legal. Nothing about it's right. So they're right to be outraged. They are right to say it gave them a discernible competitive advantage. They're right to not want to play them. It's not out of fear. People aren't scared of you. At least the Penn States and Ohio States are not scared of you. Uh, but at the same time, they're not saying anything you wouldn't say if the shoe were on the Columbus foot or the state college foot. And I think everyone outside of this knows that. But just because you guys are right, doesn't mean you're going to get what you want. Because I'm right. I think I'm right in saying that you, you are not going to detrimentally harm a television product when you still got Michigan Penn State on the docket next week, when you still got Ohio State at Michigan towards the end of the year, you're not harming it. You're just not going to do it. If it does happen, hopefully I'll have more of a voice by then and I'll come here and I'll eat whatever flavor crow you want to serve me. <clears throat> I wouldn't even have a problem with it, but I'm just telling you, I don't think it's going to happen that way. I I'll even say this. Michigan fans have felt like they don't have a voice in this. You guys have had plenty of voice. I've heard you loud and clear. And I'll, I'll meet you here. You're outside your mind when you defend this, dude. You're outside your mind when you tell me Jim Harbaugh didn't know or shouldn't have known. That stuff is, you can miss me with all that. You're insane if you truly believe that. Or want me to, at least. You can believe whatever you want to believe. But Michigan fans do have sort of a misguided leg to stand on here. And I'll tell you why. There's been too much false reporting around this at the outset of it that's given them some anecdotal ammunition to use. It's valid. They're not wrong, guys. They're not wrong when they look back last week and say, hey, wh where did all those reports about Harbaugh's rescinded contract go? They disappeared because they weren't true. They got it wrong. National media types got it wrong. And they're right to say, hey, what about all these investigative bodies that were physically on campus last week? Whatever came of that? Nothing, because they were wrong. Some of the same folks carrying that same national platform, that same national pen and microphone right now that reported that were wrong. And so when Michigan folks look and say, seems like folks have an ax to grind against us, they're right. When Michigan folks look and say, man, there's certain, there's certain 
apparati, plural of apparatus. There's certain apparati here in the national media sphere that seem like they're out to get us, maybe even entire networks that seem like they're not too pleased with us. I don't think you're wrong. I do not think you're wrong. However, I'm, I'm the horse with the, with, the, with the race blinders on right now. I'm looking at Connor Stallions. I'm looking at the fact that he was an integral part of your operation. I'm looking at the sudden hockey stick effect of your program over the last couple of years when uh, seemingly nothing else changed. I, I think our buddy Zach Smith had a good point about that the other day. And I know how much you guys in Ann Arbor value his opinion, by the way. I, you don't have to tell me. I know how much you guys love him. But uh, listen, I had ample free time this week. So I listened to everyone's show, including his. And I thought he made a good point about that. When people look at this year, maybe even last year, no one's looking at this as a legitimate season for Michigan, outside of Michigan. Now, if I was a Michigan fan, I wouldn't much care about that. Uh, but I am, you know, I'm, I'm doing a national show. Maybe Michigan Colors behind me right now. But I'm doing a national show. You'll never erase the asterisks that's around this season, come what may. If it's allowed to sail, if it's allowed to stand, it'll stand. But it'll stand a lot like, you know, some of the impressive offensive numbers from the early 2000s in Major League Baseball put up by guys still not in the Hall of Fame. You know why they're not in the Hall of Fame. I know why they're not in the Hall of Fame. There is no evidence on a piece of paper that backs up what you and I think. Actually, I'd put them in if it were up to me, but you get the point I'm making. There's nothing you can do about that. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, if you're at two, you got to do one of two things. You've either got to tell me that that guy is one of the sharpest tools in the drawer and he runs a, a first-class operation and he is sharp and has his hands on every aspect of the operation to make sure it maintains its sharpness, or you got to tell me he's an idiot. Because what you can't do is you can't tell me, no, 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 all the first things were true except he had no clue who this dude was or, or if he knew who he was, he had no clue what he was doing, you know, right there in the coach's box on the sideline in his coordinator's ears. Uh, you're not selling me on that. I don't think you're selling most people with a IQ above room temperature, which is the temperature of this water next to me right here. I don't think you're selling anyone on that. So it's kind of a shame all the way around. I don't think there's an easy answer. I know if I was a Big Ten coach, the easy answer would be disqualify him. But if I'm Tony Petiti, I'm not going to be a hypocrite here. I'm telling you. If I were Tony Petiti, it's not that easy. And I would guess he's going to err on the side of what I just suggested. I'm not going to make a move on this. In lieu, let me put it this way, in lieu of many, many more damning facts coming out. Now, in the way of new facts coming out, <clears throat> Pate State Investigates is not ready to drop a new bombshell tonight. But Pate State Investigates does have many irons in the fire right now. And I would just ask, open-endedly, are we really sure that the Central Michigan-Michigan State game is the only game that Mr. Stallions found his way onto the sideline for? Not necessarily even talking about games that happened in 2023 either. We move on. You know, it's Thursday. <clears throat> we don't normally predict a ton of games on Thursday night, and maybe a couple. But since I have been on the mend, as it were, over the past couple of shows, we haven't even done predictions. We, what, what are we right now? We're about 48 hours away from a monster game in Tuscaloosa, and we haven't picked it yet. So you, Colin Jesse, you know what we should do? We should pick the thing. Now, I have, I have some, some warm water here that I'm going to use to coat the throat, coat the voice, so I'll make it through this so that Colin can clip it later. But uh, I'm fired up for this one. 
LSU Alabama, prime time, Bryant-Denny Stadium, 745 Eastern on CBS. It's the doubleheader, but it is the game of the week within the games of the week. College football playoff game. Again, don't let them tell you it's not. We got the Once Upon a Saturday tour in town. I'll be on the sidelines front and center for this game. It is going to be lively, to say the least, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And speaking of lively, I heard some debate, or what some would call debate, earlier today. And the debate was this. If LSU runs the table, do they go to the playoff? My answer is yeah. Yeah. LSU's playoff hopes are very much alive. And the, and the reason is because I, I'm still a believer we could have a two-loss team in the playoff. And if you tell me there's a two-loss team out there that's an SEC champion, which they would be in this scenario, and they went into Tuscaloosa and beat Alabama, and then maybe they beat Georgia in Atlanta? You're going to keep them out? But what, because they sacked up and scheduled a big marquee out-of-conference opponent instead of doubling up on cupcakes to start the season? No, I don't think that's the case. The odds presented by FanDuel on this game right now, Alabama minus three. Bama was a bigger favorite in the 2019 game at home, which your boy was also at. And one day, I'll tell you a story about that game. But it is a statute of limitation situation for me right now, especially with Secret Service. So I can't get into it. I think, oh, about 10 people watching know the story. I'll tell you one day. This is going to be what Meemaw would call a chunk play special. Bama, kind of a pre-paper popper here. Bama is ninth in pass plays of 40-plus yards this season. So it, it's very obvious what their game plan is. They've just been able to execute it. Even in the A&M game, they were able to execute it. LSU, the reason I bring this up, LSU is 92nd in those plays allowed. And they're down DBs. Like, d- defensive back is a very vulnerable position that was already vulnerable before absences for LSU. So everybody, including LSU fans, are looking at this game saying, oh my goodness, man, what are they going to do? Like, up top, what are they going to do? Well, the answer is probably get abused a little bit. That's probably what's going to happen. Here's what's more interesting to me as you start to try and map out the path for Alabama in this game. Like, how will they go about things? Because you think... Well, Milrow's really good throwing the deep ball. LSU looks very vulnerable in the back end, but LSU is also 88th in run defense. And if you talk about trying to limit possessions, if you talk about maybe having Jalen Daniels on the field, Jaden Daniels on the field, a couple of less possessions per game, well, it's running the ball. Bama hadn't been all that great at it. I, I would say they've been improving, especially when you incorporate some of the option principles that they've done as of late with Milrow. And I would imagine also, when it comes to self-scouting and using the bye week properly, they had to have gotten inside that film room and looked and said, this gives us the best chance to win. We got to use his legs more creatively. I think they will. Which begs the question, how effectively does Bama run the ball? I think they can, they'll torch LSU to some degree if they don't run the ball effectively. If they do run the ball effectively, um, Alabama can score 50 points in this game. And that's not the kind of Bama team this is this year. But if they can do both those things effectively, they score half 100 in this game because that's how vulnerable LSU is on the back end right now. What does LSU do on defense then? Because I said the line's three, not 30. This is home field advantage, basically. Vegas looking, telling you these are evenly matched teams. Um, by the way, Jay People has had LSU steadily climbing. We've got them, um, what do we have in Jesse? Like seven or eight this week. 
And people have been asking, how? How? Odds makers are backing us up. You think the folks at FanDuel are putting LSU plus three in Tuscaloosa if they don't believe they're one of the 10 best teams in the country too? Either that or they think Bama sucks. And I can promise you from an odds making perspective, no one thinks Alabama sucks. So what does LSU do on defense? They're depleted in the secondary. We just talked about that. They got to go after Jalen Milrow. They got to do what A&M did, basically. They're just not as equipped to do it, or the numbers say they're not as equipped to do it. LSU is, what are they, 99th, Jesse? I can't read my own handwriting. Are they 99th in sacks this year? Irrelevant. This game, it's got to be irrelevant is my point. You've got to sort of invert some of your stat profiles. You've got to go after him. You may have to use your defensive personnel in different ways than you've done this year to go after him. Because what you cannot do is you can't just drop into coverage. You can't allow him to pick you apart. He will. Most quarterbacks in the country would pick this secondary apart right now. Milrow absolutely can. He just has the added weapon and added dimension of the fact that he's a freight train when he gets loose running the ball. You got to roll the dice. Now, the response to that is, well, Josh, if they roll the dice like that, man, it's going to open them up to big plays. Maybe they'll get home. Maybe they'll sack them a couple of times, but they're, they're going to open themselves up to some big plays. They're open to it anyway. Yeah, I, I understand what I'm saying. This is not going to be foolproof. You'll give up some explosives. You're going to give them up anyway. Can you get something in exchange? That's got to be the proposition for LSU defensively. I'm talking about maybe when you sack him one time, he doesn't hold onto the ball. Maybe you force him or tip a ball and it lands in your hands instead of Alabama's. You can score. See, A&M couldn't. So A&M, they got to Milrow. They pressured him. They got some sacks. They forced a turnover. They couldn't take advantage. And that's why Bama scoring in the low to mid-20s was enough. That shouldn't be enough to beat you. So you can take your chances a little bit here if you're LSU. The winner of this game, whoever it is, I think is going to win because they're doing that November engine rev. Either one of these teams is a capable of winning a national title, capable of competing for it. Let me, let me say they're capable of being in the playoff because LSU's got maybe the best offense in the country, one of the very best. Bama, complimentary style, plays a good enough brand of ball to get in the playoff. They, they can personnel-wise match up with anybody in the country. And you probably will see a level of play in this game from the winner, whoever it is, that is above and beyond what we've seen from them so far this year. So by default... I think you've got a playoff contender coming out of this game. Late season momentum is, is a big deal. I'll tell you what else would be a big deal. If they win this game, Daniels is a Heisman possible front runner. The odds right now have him up there. I think everyone's been waiting on this game for Jaden Daniels. Everyone's been looking at this one saying, can you do in Tuscaloosa what Joe Burrow did? Because look, as serious as the country was already taking Burrow in 2019, everyone had a yeah but. And it was, yeah, but what's he going to do when he plays Alabama? Um, I think they had 33 on the board at the half, something like that. He made his name that Saturday afternoon. Will we see Mr. Daniels make his name Saturday afternoon? And on the flip side, this, this right here is the kind of game Kevin Steele's at Alabama for. The kind of attitude you have to have defensively, the willingness to get right back up when you get hit, because they're going to hit you a few times you got to be relentless. you got to have a memory that's about five milliseconds deep. When they hit you with that big plate, right back line of scrimmage, no, no head hung, and you got to just keep competing and keep swinging because you're good enough defensively to where you'll win some of those exchanges. They didn't have that last couple of years when they needed to. Kevin Steele's had a different attitude in that defense so far this year. All right, 
Let's take a look at what the Vegas number is at FanDuel, which I said is Alabama minus three. The model actually leans Alabama more heavily. I've known this was coming for a couple of weeks because I've been running the, the game simulated style for a couple of weeks. I actually, um, I like Alabama in this game. I like them above and beyond the three. I think the model's right. I am so spicy on that that not only am I going to pick Alabama to win and cover, eh, we're actually adding it on the Ramen Noodle Express. We're going to make it a best bet. So Alabama wins, Alabama covers, and we are going to add it on the Ramen Noodle Express. And if I'm right, then I think they are obviously in the driver's seat to go to Atlanta and maybe beyond. We'll see what happens if they get there. But if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, LSU becomes the most fascinating case study in America. We've never had one of those two lost teams in the playoff. You think anyone in Athens, Georgia would be looking at that defense or that offense and can't wait to play them? Is the team in Athens, Georgia the one they would play in the SEC championship game if they got there? You know, a lot of questions that still remain. That is why, as Mimo always taught me, God invented November. But remember, I haven't gotten to tell you this week, the Week 10 Once Upon a Saturday Tour t-shirt is available. PateStateMaterial.com. It's ready. It's waiting for you. This shirt will no longer be available as of Saturday night. So it's, it's first come, first serve. And we always do really, really well when we go to Alabama. I expect this to be no different. It is, it is wonderful quality. I have gotten nothing but positive feedback on the quality of those shirts. They feel good, man. They feel really good. You, you'll probably end, up, probably end up wearing that to family reunion and, and church. Some of you may appear in court wearing that shirt. I don't care. We want representation regardless, and we thank you for it. So, just talking about the SEC championship game a second ago. I want to send you there. And I myself don't have tickets in front of me right now, but Academy Sports and Outdoors does. And they also have just copious amounts of gear that you should be picking up this time of year. But a $10,000 Academy gift card and two tickets to the SEC championship game, they got them. They got them right now. They're yours. Someone's going to win these things. All you got to do is sign into the Academy app. That's it. That's all you have to do. It's, there's, no, there's no further requirement. You just have to sign into the Academy app. It's the ultimate SEC football sweepstakes. It ends November 18th. It's approaching, kids. No purchase necessary. Uh, by the way, it is not, not available in Hawaii, Alaska, California, and New York. So four apologies there. Full rules, academy.com backslash official rules. Get in on that because I want whoever wins that to be in our audience. And I, at that point, would probably take some of the credit. Don't, don't need the money and don't need the ticket. We'll probably be there regardless. But I, I just, I thrive on credit. Credit score around here is at an all-time high right now. Hmm. Okay, let's continue. We got more games to predict. We got upset alerts to get to. If you're tuning in late, welcome. I know we started at a little different time than normal. Whole week's been different than normal. Got about, I would say, Colin, what would you say? that you, You've known me as long as I've been here. 65% of my voice, maybe 70. I don't know. Um, food poisoning struck me down in my prime last week. And because of the symptoms that come along with food poisoning, I ripped my vocal cords and they're still not healed, but we're not missing shows three times in a row. We had never missed one period. Now we did two in a row, not three in a row. Okay. 
let's dive into this game. Missouri at Georgia is the early leg of the CBS doubleheader Saturday. It's 3.30 Eastern kickoff there in Athens. It's a blessings bowl. I would call this the blessings bowl. Blessing number one, Eli Drinkwitz is sitting there seven and one, destiny in hand. I mean, all of it, playoff destiny included, SEC championship destiny in November in Columbia, Missouri is still in hand. So how about that? That's a blessing. Number two, you may not believe me on this. This is a blessing for Kirby Smart as well because he gets meat to feed his team. Now, there's a misnomer out there that coaches want the easiest, easiest path possible to you know whatever their end goal is. No, competitors don't think that way, actually. They love the challenge. They, they love it and embrace it. And Kirby Smart can all he wants to sit there at media days and say, we're going to play this season out regardless. It doesn't matter who's on the opponent or on, on the schedule. It has mattered the whole time. He's been livid about it. He hated how soft their schedule looked. He just never admitted to you. I'm admitting it for him. Doesn't matter now. It's not so soft anymore. Immunity. You, you had Kentucky top 20 when they came in there. You hung half a hundred on them, coincidentally. You had Florida last week, and that began a stretch of Florida, and then Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, all top 20, and it just didn't look like that was going to be the case preseason. So don't judge a schedule, at least in Penn, in August. That's the first lesson. And it's a blessing for Kirby Smart because you get the best out of your organization. Maybe not you. I don't think Kirby Smart needs a ranked opponent to get up, but he also knows not everyone's wired exactly like him. And so it helps. This is meat, red meat to toss in there. It helps. And number three in the Blessings Bowl pecking order here, season ticket holders for Georgia. Because this was a woof line of games preseason. And I don't know if you guys have ever won back-to-back national championships before. Probably not. But let me tell you what happens to season ticket prices when you do. They go that way. They go up. And if you're asking me to shell out that kind of dough for UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, Kentucky, Vandy, uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, not all those games were even at home, by the way. Uh, I'm going to say, are you serious? And then they're going to say, yeah, if you get out of line, though, you miss out for the rest of eternity. And so you just shell out the money, but you hate it. Well, now all of a sudden, you got ranked matchups, multiple, that we didn't know were possible. So it's a blessings bowl, but I'll tell you what it could be also could be a chaos moment in the SEC East. Because I don't know if you realize this, but Missouri could win this game. I don't know if anyone's told anyone. FanDuel current number there, Georgia minus 15 and a half, not 50 and a half. So it it may be unlikely, but it's possible. And if that were to happen, and Missouri led this game by 10 with nine minutes to go in regulation last year, if that were to happen, I cannot in strong enough terms, state how chaotic the world would become. Because Missouri would then be in the driver's seat to go to Atlanta because of what happened one afternoon. They would have, Jesse, what's their remaining schedule, did you tell me? Then they got Florida left. They've got, I think, Tennessee left. So we'll, we'll look at their schedule in a second. I probably should have run that by you. They've got Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas left. They would be in the driver's seat. And remember, Georgia would need them to lose another game. They do have one conference loss, but they'd have the tiebreaker at that point. So anyway, it would be very interesting because Georgia would still have a trip to Neyland Stadium on their hands as well. Oh, by the way, this, this would be interesting for Tennessee as well. So a lot 
rides on this. If you want chaos root for Missouri, I will tell you this, it's going to be an uphill battle for Missouri. And when we have big point spreads, we like to ask, how would the upset happen on this show? So you've, number one, got three, yeah, three things Missouri needs to do. Number one, you would need to invert your defensive profile. You're 27th against the run and 63rd against the pass right now. And you are catching one of the hottest quarterbacks in the country. Now, I think that goes hand in hand with what number two is. And to me, you've also got to invert your turnover tendencies. So history in this particular spot sometimes says when you got a first-year starter at quarterback who's really heating up, there's just one total egg that's coming because there's, there's overconfidence that creeps in the room and he starts seeing windows that are maybe a little bit bigger than they actually are and you have a turnover game and it's actually his premium confidence that is being used against him if you dial up the right defensive game plan. That's what history generically says could happen here. But here's the problem. Georgia doesn't do it. They just don't turn the ball over. And it's not by accident. It's not even a huge luck thing this year. Mike Bobo just puts his guys in really high percentage positions. And Carson Beck knows not to make catastrophic mistakes. So I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but they don't do it. And you're 107th in the country at forcing it. That's got to invert. Number three, you've got to invert your third down profile. Missouri's offense is 60th in the country at third down conversion rate. Georgia's defense is the best in America at that. Georgia's offense is third best in America at that. And Missouri's defense is 62nd in America at that. So a lot of inversion has to happen. Kind of a meteorological term. It's what we're looking at in winter sometimes to ignite that wintry precipitation. We need some inversion. Well. I, I go back to last year. Not that this game means anything in terms of this year. It may even grab George's attention. But I go back to last year, and I was in the Rose Bowl of all places looking after my stuff so it didn't get stolen. I was in the, no, I love the Rose Bowl, but an unfortunate thing happened there last week. We'll talk about it later. I was in the Rose Bowl last year, and I was, I was nice and warm because it was Southern California late in the year, and I'm watching on a side monitor, watching Jenny Dell just, shake and freeze interviewing Kirby Smart after somehow they just pulled that game out. They were down 10 with nine minutes to go. I mean, people just forget about that totally because you remember Georgia's run last year. Anytime someone wins a national championship, the revisionist history version is, oh, dude, they just salted the earth. It was just a death march all year. They do this with the, with the 01 Miami team a lot. Well, that's not exactly how it happened last year. Missouri had them down two possessions late in the fourth quarter. But Georgia came back and won. And I remember thinking that day, who could have ever seen this? It makes no sense. Like, where did this come from? It's football. That's why, despite what this paper says, I'm going to insist they go ahead and play the game. And last year, Missouri had six scoring drives and five of them were field goals. What if they just do that with Georgia? What if they just force field goals? It's no guarantee of anything. Georgia may shut you out but it gives you a fighting chance. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. Colin, right now, FanDuel has Georgia minus 15 and a half. That total is in the mid-50s. I think 56 and a half right now. The model leans Georgia, and it leans it pretty heavily, or them pretty heavily. I, I read everything I told you I think has to invert from Missouri. I just think it's a little too much. And I'm the guy, by the way, who 
picked Florida to cover last week. So it's not that I think Georgia's invincible or anything like that, but man, you got a tall task on your hands if you're going to go in there and outplay them, because I think that's what you got to do. You got to outplay Georgia. They're not handing you the game. I don't think that will happen. And so if Missouri does it, they got talent on the lines of scrimmage. They got really good scrappy dudes. But the problem is the kind of spot scrappiness beats Georgia in is a spot Georgia's not paying attention to. I think you got Georgia's full attention. Your success this year actually works against you a little bit this week because you got their full attention. And so I'm going to pick Georgia to win and cover. And not going to make it a best bet. The model kind of wants me to. Not going to make it a best bet, but I think Georgia's going to win. I think Georgia's going to cover. We'll take another sip. Not from the chalice, mind you, but from the generic cup here that has lukewarm water in it at this point. I got to get to this game in Austin. Mm, I'm so nervous about this. Kansas State at Texas. It is big noon kickoff. It is Brady Quinn and company in tow on a network I don't work for, so I'm going to stop promoting them now. But this is Kansas State at Texas. Oh, my goodness. Did you see the number on this? FanDuel, as of this hour, has Texas minus four and a half. I warned you. Did I not? I warned you about what we call ignition teams. And those are teams that you try and turn the engine over early in the season, dead battery, uh, carburetor may be messed up. For whatever reason, that thing's not cranking. And some people mistakenly leave those teams for dead. But something happens. You call the right repairman. You get the right parts. You go to AutoZone and pick up an Avery Johnson, for example. And then all of a sudden, you turn that ignition, and that thing cranks. And then you put your foot on the gas, and it revs. And you say, where was this car in week one or two or three? Well, this is college football. This happens all the time. Kansas State is an ignition team, and they are, they are rocketing up the JP pole. I mean, we have taken notice, and I think we have appropriately adjusted for them. 38, 41, and 41. Those are their last three weeks points totals. This profiles, and I'm going to be brutally honest for a second, but you know it to be true if you're a Texas fan. This profiles as the kind of game Texas would lose in the past. You're a little banged up. You got a hot team coming in. You out-roster them, but that hasn't mattered sometimes. You got your backup quarterback in there. Your back's against the wall. It is must-win. It's an earlier kickoff, and it's the kind of game you have lost all too often recently. If you want to do something you haven't done in the future, got to do things you hadn't done in the present. That's not a Meemaw quote. You can tell because it was a little more lame. That, that's just a me special. I want you to answer me a question really quick here. Who has the better offense? Kansas State or Texas? Who has the better offense? Points per game, K, KSU. Rush yards per game, KSU. Third down conversion percentage, KSU. Quarterback protection ability, KSU. There are, you know, not across the board, but there are a lot of key indicators that actually lean Kansas State in this game. And that's what quarterback change. And I'm, I'm just looking at this game and I'm thinking about, oh, a few weeks back when I was standing in the Cotton Bowl on the sideline there, watching Dylan Gabriel do what, frankly, I didn't think he was going to be able to do. And that was run for over 100 yards at the quarterback position, no less, against Texas. And the reason I bring that up, obviously, 
It's because I got a cat here in Avery Johnson who specializes in that. And if you don't get a 14 or 21 point lead on them, and maybe even if you do, you're going to have to deal with it all afternoon. And I think that it's going to be effective. Kansas State's going to have some degree of success running the football on you, and it will probably be because of the quarterback position. Which brings me to my next point. Quinn Ewers is not starting this game. Malik Murphy is. He's got to beat Kansas State. Like, that's really what it comes down to. He's got to make the plays to beat them. It's not very difficult to envision the kind of defensive game plan that Kansas State's going to employ here. And I think especially early, they'll send as many looks at him as possible to get him flustered. Because last week, they didn't, they didn't have to pay for mistakes he made against Brigham Young, but he made them. And if he makes those same kind of mistakes this week, they probably will have to pay for them. Kansas State is 78th in pass defense. Okay, so there will be plays to be made there. That's why I'm telling you, especially if they sell out against the run, you're gonna, it's going to be there to be won. You've got to win it. Malik Murphy's going to have to win it. Spring game Malik Murphy is the one that's got to show up. It won't be about numbers as much as it'll be about mistakes. He can, he can throw for 250 for all I care. If a bunch of mistakes are mixed in there, you can throw for 250 and lose by 13 at home. That can happen. What happens inside the 20 is what will ultimately decide this game right now, though, because I, I look at Texas. They are 120th in red zone touchdown rate. It almost sounds like a typo. 120th in red zone touchdown rate offensively. Kansas State's defense is third in America at red zone touchdown rate allowed. You have got to find ways to get in the end zone, either that or you got to put on a defensive clinic and win a low-scoring game. Let's take a look at what the model thinks. The Vegas number, as I said, FanDuel currently has Texas minus four and a half. The Paint State model has Texas minus four and a half. We could not be any more in conjunction with FanDuel there. I have, and I cannot stress this enough, no confidence on this game. I'm going to take Texas to win because I have Texas power rated a little bit higher and they're at home. I'm going to take Kansas State in the points. Like there's obviously not a whole lot of skill in doing that. I'm not betting this game. I will I'll probably get to Bryant-Denny Stadium extremely early Saturday and watch this one from the confines of the press box along with the rest of you. You probably won't be in the press box, but you get what I'm saying. I think it's going to be a very, very down-to-the-wire fourth-quarter decided kind of game. I, I don't have to tell you, the Big 12's chaos every year anyway. Uh, if Texas loses this game, that's their second conference loss. And, buddy, it could break loose out there. Because think about this. we got Oklahoma-Oklahoma State also happening next Saturday or this Saturday, and you, you just could have a minefield. We've got one, two, three, four. We've got five teams in that conference with one conference loss. We've got another two of them with two conference losses. Like over, well over half the league is still alive. It's really a beautiful thing. Mind you, if you are more confident on that game than I am, there's a place for you to go. I mean, FanDuel's got it right now for you. Like Texas minus four and a half sitting there. If you think that Kansas State is pulling that outright upset, they got some beautiful money line propositions there for you as well. We are proud, proud to partner with that brand. That is the premier brand in sports wagering, and they work with us on our terms, and we are proud to be presented. Our odds are exclusively provided by FanDuel right now. If you feel like, you know, just like dipping your toe in a little bit, $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you make a $5 bet. 
So you may, you may think to yourself, if you've never done it before, oh, that sounds too good to be true. No, it's not. That's the way it works. It's, it's a sign-up bonus. That's the way it works. I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't. And win or lose. So you place that $5 bet, even if it loses, they're putting 150 in your account. That's the way it works. I'm not wrong about that. That's the way it works. Just visit fanduel.com backslash CFB promotion. There is a link to that in this very show description. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can just click there. It helps us if you click that link and sign up because it lets them know that you came through Late Kick. But in any event, I'm going to do Friday Night Lines tomorrow night from Tuscaloosa. As presented by FanDuel. I'll give you a lot more numbers we're going to move on tomorrow night. Ramen Noodle Express, by the end of this show, I'll add more best bets. So if you're looking for a place with which to place those bets in your own name, FanDuel, place to go. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. All right, let's talk some upsets and I'm going to get you those best bets. Week 10, upset alerts. How nervous am I for these favorites? Penn State? Mmm, eight and a half point favorite, huh? They're on the road at Maryland. Well, I got to be real with you. I'm nervous. I'm putting an eight on this. Now, I know they have throttled Maryland recently. I'm still nervous. Drew Aller on the road is a 48% completion guy, 71% at home. So I got road Drew this week. I got to cross my fingers. Uh, It's a Super Bowl spot for Mike Loxley. Maryland has not been hot. They're ice cold. I know all that. It's also a look-ahead spot for Penn State with Michigan on deck. I know that. I'm nervous. It's a, it's a survive and advance special for Penn State, kind of like the Indiana game last week. So I'm putting an eight on that one. The odds to win the Big Ten championship, Penn State has plummeted, obviously, after losing to Ohio State. Eight. Eight is my upset alert meter rating on that one. Next up, Virginia Tech. Welcome to the party, by the way. Virginia Tech's at Louisville. This number at FanDuel is nine and a half in favor of Louisville, but I'm putting a solid seven on the upset alert concern meter here. Now, Virginia Tech's four and four, which which really makes what I'm about to say confusing. They control their own destiny in the ACC because as, as much as they're a 500 team, only one of those is a conference loss. They're three and one in the ACC. They have a better conference record than Miami, better conference record than North Carolina. It's really a crazy world in which we live right now. 
It's two of the ACC's best defenses. Uh, Vatek leads the conference in sacks. They have found something in that dual-threat quarterback, and I, I have some mild to moderate concern for Louisville. So I'm going to put a seven on this one. When you got those teams where they feel really hot and you can't explain it, uh, like, like Arizona Diamondback, Texas Ranger, Voodoo, you just you don't take them lightly. I don't overlook this game. Next up, FSU is at Pitt. First thing everyone should do when I tell you that in November is find your nearest cellular device and pull up the weather apps and just check the weather. I did, so you don't have to. It, it looks like mid to upper 50s, cloudy, which is like tropical weather grading on the Pittsburgh curve in November. And so I don't think that weather is going to be an issue here. FSU has been locked in. I know you could go back to that BC game. I think the BC game grabbed their attention. And so I say that because that was on the road. That was a long road trip for them. I think they're going to be okay here. I don't have concern. I don't, Pitt feels like a little bit of a program in free fall right now. And so I'm going to, I'm going to put a one and a half, I'm going to put a two on it, but I don't have a ton of concern. I think FSU, even with Miami on deck next week, I think they're locked in right now. They will take care of business. Oklahoma is at Oklahoma State, 10, 10, 10, all across the board. The Russian judge included 10s. Um, I'm absolutely terrified for Oklahoma. They're a five and a half point favorite at FanDuel right now. The model, here's the thing about it. The model likes Oklahoma to cover and it borders on making it a best bet. The model's got Oklahoma winning by 8.75, I think, which obviously crosses some key numbers from five and a half. This is the last bedlam, and I just don't think the model knows what that means. Oklahoma State, 39, 48, and 45. That's how many they've scored recently, last three games. They also have found something. And um, I don't have a good feel at all. I got to be honest with you. I know OU just lost to Kansas. I don't have a good feel at all for this one. High entertainment is what I expect. It's a 10. Like, this is as big an upset alert as you could possibly get. And uh, I can't wait to watch this. Cannot wait to watch it. What about Oregon State at Colorado? You haven't been thinking about Colorado a lot lately, have you? It's back-to-back road spot for Oregon State. They're favored by 13 and a half at FanDuel. Colorado's players got robbed. Their lockers got broken into at the Rose Bowl last week while they were playing UCLA. Allegedly. Also, Colorado's just out of the spotlight now. These are all ingredients for Deion Sanders to spring one on you out of nowhere. I'm putting a six on this. That upset alert meter is it's peaking a little bit more than I thought it would for this spot. They are four and four at Colorado. They need two more wins for bowl eligibility. They got obviously this game. They got Arizona at Washington State at Utah. None of them are easy, obviously. I I think they can make some noise this week. I'm putting a six on it. I'm not going to go over these, but UCLA at Arizona is the most slept-on marquee game this weekend. UCLA is favored by three on the road. I got UCLA going to the Pac-12 championship game in my preseason picks. And so, like, Arizona's red hot right now. Watch that game. Washington's favored by three at USC. There are so many once upon a Saturday tour ramifications riding on a lot of these games. Arkansas is at Florida, totally off the radar game. Shamar Stewart out for the year. Um, 
Florida's favored by five and a half against a dead-in-the-water Arkansas team. If I had to guess, and that's all I'm going to do, Arkansas could just, just pull the upset out of nowhere. I, I have strong upset concerns for that one. So those are upset alerts. I also have best bets right here in my hand. I put some of these out Sunday. But this is the first time you and I have spoken about these. Let's, let's dive in. We are once again on Iowa State. I, in, in Bernie Sanders mode, I am once again asking you, insert my voice, to bet Iowa State because we've been really good doing that this year. Iowa State minus two and a half. Brigham Young is plus 10. We were already on that game and we were already on Nebraska minus three. So those were the games we were already on. I'm adding these three games right now. Georgia State plus five and a half. We're betting against James Madison again. It was very profitable for us last week. We are laying three points with Iowa. Anytime coordinators get fired or quarterbacks get injured, we don't love that it happened. We love betting on that team the next week because more oftentimes than not, there's, for whatever reason, a little jolt to the locker room instead of a downtrodden affity that the point spread may indicate there will be. So Iowa minus five. I put three, my bad. Iowa minus five. And USF is going to Memphis. Plenty good enough weather Saturday to where that's not a concern. USF plus 13 and a half. So USF, Iowa, Georgia State, Nebraska, Brigham Young, Iowa State. Make sure, because I'm adding many more games tomorrow night, make sure you are following at Late Kick Josh on Instagram. Friday Night Lines brought to you by FanDuel. Ramen Noodle Express brought to you by FanDuel. We will be doing that at some point live tomorrow night. It is not on the YouTube channel. It is only on Instagram at Late Kick Josh. Plus, I'll have ton, tons and tons, actually, of footage from the field Saturday when LSU and Alabama go at it. Plus, some other behind-the-scenes odds and ends. So make sure you check it out. All right, somehow we made it through the show. Hopefully, I'll have a full-go voice come Sunday. But I appreciate your patience this week. For Direct Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care, have a great start to your weekend, and God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.